0: Do you really want your company to stand out in the crowded digital space? Do you want to get more people to know, like, and trust you with your story? Authentic Web Video Marketing Agency can help you to collect those stories, the stories that sell, connect the stories to the situation, produce the videos that you need in each of the situations, and then use the latest techniques, including video ads, retargeting, and email to deliver those video stories. Authentic web is the video production and marketing agency trusted by top marketers to help their story stand out in a crowded space. Visit authenticweb.media to learn more. In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Use his video marketing knowledge red button, right? and use his friends. Please be on the show to change that. You are listening to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. <laughs> what? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so. Your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to another Garlic Marketing Show. Uh, Today's guest is a storyteller, storyteller for businesses. Pretty appropriate. And our guest today is willing to try anything once. So we're going to test her on that. Uh, Pamela Herman, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: It's a pleasure, Ian. Thanks for having me. So, Pamela, um, how did you... With that with that lead off? You're you're just like, where do we take this thing? Like that, <laughs> this could go in a hundred different directions, right? I can see oh, the wheels turning.
0: We're gonna we're gonna wait. We're gonna get it at the end. So you got <laughs> to listen the whole thing to see what we can get her to do. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so tell me, how did you get into the business of storytelling?
1: Uh, it was really a concept that was introduced to me by a really good friend. He's actually a mentor. He's the first and only mentor I've ever had. His name is William Black, and He's an exceptional storyteller, and I would call him when I were, was in times of confusion or trouble or um, there's just something very complicated going on in my business, and this is what we do with our mentors, right? You pick up the phone. It's just like, can I have 10 minutes, please? I need your your guidance on this, and he was so good at just crafting a narrative for me that didn't tell me what to do. It was more like a parable. He'd share a story with me and he'd say, Pam, this is, you know, first of all, he'd call me down and say, I completely understand how you're feeling. Let me share a little story with you. And he would go into a parable. And this is somebody who's really, really tied to his faith. So, most often, his parables were tied to some sort of a, you know, a religious teaching, right? It didn't matter to me though, because he was always leading me to the place where I, I would See the clarity in the answer for me, and um, I had a podcast at one point called "Customers for Life," and I interviewed him on this because I'm like, what is the key to really high level communication with people? Like, you you're a leader, you want to guide people to find their own answers. You don't want to just be dictating, right? Um, How do you do that? And he said it's through story. This is the connected, the connective um, tissue to us relationally, and. It started this whole idea of thinking for me, not just as a parent and as a friend and somebody who wants to have interesting conversations, both personally and professionally, but I started thinking, okay, how do you break down story? And where, where did we lose, culturally, our ability to tell a good story? Where where did we just lose control of that as a skill level, and how do we get it back? And then I started thinking, I'm always applying things to work and business. So, then I started thinking, well, how can brands do this? So, that's the long story, Ian
0: well you know it's an interesting that 's an interesting thing you're saying because the loss of story and where do you think that happens because I think to get something back, you kind of have to figure out where you lost it right uh,
1: totally that 's where my brain went. It was just like when did this happen? because when you think about stories like culturally stories are used to share experiences to teach lessons they 're for education um, it 's to uh, to perpetuate you know, um, the the cultural identity through story. And so, I started thinking, well, when did this happen? Was it with, uh, you know, the advent of radio? Is that where it went away? Where all of a sudden you had storytellers who were on the radio. But maybe that's through this evolution of the communication of media where um, – our ability to tell the stories lost because we are now deferring to other people to tell the stories that entertain us and you know movies certainly perpetuate that so when I try to tell a story to my kids now about something that my mom did when she was a little girl in the old country they kind of glaze over and I'm like okay well how do we how do we rebuild this so yeah my mind went to that same place where did it where did this start what do you think where do you think it kind of went away?
0: I mean, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, as we sat back and we didn't have to think about the stories because they're just being told to us and washed over us and we never have to reiterate us. And to a good point, too, I mean, now we use kind of a story shorthand because everyone quotes movies, right? right. And and it's a shorthand to stories. So I, I agree with you. I, I think it is in the media and but... It's not something that will ever go away, or at least any time in the next 20,000 years, because it's ingrained in our brains. Right. Our, I mean, we've shown time and time again. Um, you know, one of my guests, Paul Zak, that was on. I don't know if you've ever read any of his stuff. Uh, but he's done all these scientific research and shows that, like, our chemistry, not just functional MRI, but also, like, oxytocins released by proper story format. So I, it's in there. It's just a shame it's lost. And I think it's important what you're saying too is teaching our children how to listen to it and then how right. to use it, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So that you're not telling them what to do, but you're actually guiding them to finding the solutions within themselves. Yep. And saying, here's an example. So you probably come across through your line of work um, and, and, Socially, you probably come across people or maybe you have a friend or two who are really, really good storytellers. And don't you like it might take them 20 minutes to tell a story and they take you down little rabbit holes and then they kind of pull back to that main line and then they take you a little bit further down the path and then they weave a little bit off and then they come back and they're just really, really good at crafting your ability to hang on. And all these little details get revealed through their ability to to weave the, uh, the fabric of a story. And I always sit back in just amazement with, I have a, a couple of friends that are exceptionally good at it, and it might take them forever to tell the story, but the whole time you're laughing, like they, there's stories within stories, there's open loops, and they're just, it's just something that's, I, honestly, they were not taught. They are just really exceptionally good. I think they were born with that skill. So my, my contention is it can be taught. It's a skill that can be learned.
0: Yeah, and I think it's an important skill. Yeah, definitely for businesses too. Why do you feel? You know, why do you feel every business isn't using storytelling?
1: Uh, I don't think that they're understanding that in today's marketing environment, it's becoming more important for you to be able to craft your business narrative so that it can be told and understood in seconds. So because that's what's happening. That's those are the little micro hits of. Of marketing that we're getting and exposures to brand through social media, through ads, um, through dropping into websites and trying to figure out what people do and you know is this a solution for me? So I think the the need as technology is becoming more and more ingrained in uh, in the way that we conduct business, the need is becoming greater and greater and greater. And that's really the only key differentiator for a lot of brands is their ability to say, this is what makes us different from that guy over there. We, do, we sell the same exact thing, but what makes us different is the way we conduct ourselves as a brand. And if you can tell that story and lead with that story, now you're talking about the why, this is the whole Simon Sinek concept, you know, of yeah. why versus the what and how, which is where a lot of businesses kind of lead when you look at their... Their copy on their website, for example.
0: Yep. Yeah. And it's all, I mean, it, and, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot, and I've had, you know, Dean Edelson, who was just on, who's a great copywriter. Um, it, you know, it, and you look at Ogilvy and everything, and, and so often the part of the problem, too, is the story is too much about them, right?
1: Exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. So, so you go back. Oh, okay, go ahead. Finish no, your go, ahead. go
0: ahead. What, what were you going to say?
1: Well there was a there Joseph Campbell who was a mythologist from the 50s he wrote the hero's journey the concept around the hero's journey right yep. and this is the concept that is really the root to really good storytelling it's really the root to being a good service provider understanding how to craft a sales narrative to a prospect is saying look you prospect are the hero in the story, and you're in your ordinary world, you're doing the thing that you do and that you're familiar with and that you're comfortable with, but if you want to get the result that you're asking for and that you want and you can see that you need... What we have to do is take you through the unknown. Otherwise, you'd be where you want to be, right? There's things that you're not understanding. And so, as outside service providers in your work and my work, this is what we do is we guide people through the unknown, right? we take them to back around the circle to the familiar world. And this is where, you know, when businesses understand that's the narrative that you're looking to create through a sales conversation, Um, then it opens up this whole new dialogue to, oh, these are the challenges that you think are in your path. Here's what I know, having worked with people just like you. These are common places where people fall down and they can't get up and then they retreat back to their ordinary world, right? They're no closer to where it is that they want to be. I can help you get there. So if you can understand that and really niche down um, as you're out there looking for prospects, then the narrative becomes super easy for you as a service provider. Well, let me show you how to do this, right? Yes,
0: yes. So it's interesting because obviously, I mean, I, I agree with you, everything that you're saying. Um, but one thing that we see, you know, and you see, I'm sure you see this too, is like, I mean, we, like my company's been doing video now for almost 10 years, online video since like the dawn of YouTube because we saw this coming. And, you know, you see a lot of people, they see a trend and they pop in and they're like, now I'm the expert. And, you know, what are some of the big mistakes you see when companies go and get a storytelling expert or story experts to help them tell their stories? Because I'm sure you've seen that before. You're like, oh, I'm telling my story and they're just not doing it right.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So the... Kind of the art and science of storytelling, it has to be an organic process. It has to be something. Yes, there's a formula to it. There's a formula to everything, right? So, there is a formula and there's certain things that you want to understand about who you are as an individual, who you are collectively as an organization, you know, as you're working together, what do you represent values-wise, personality the brand that sort of thing um, when you hand it off to an agency for example to have them craft it for you that's where sometimes there can be a disconnect in in the organization's ability to deliver on the story so even if you've got a receptionist that answers the phones for your business she has to buy into that what that story is she has to be part of it she's part of that narrative she's she's an individual in that organization and when it's crafted from within as opposed to external saying okay here's your story brand, then that's where it gets a little wonky and you can't deliver on it now, right? And if everything's about the customer experience. There has to be congruency between the story, the people, the processes, and then where is that landing? If it's landing on a prospect or on a customer's, um, you know, their heart and their head, it's got to be congruent across all touch points.
0: That's so it's in- a,
1: interesting. So, a inter, it's a very intricate, you know, it's all interconnected, yeah? So,
0: yeah. I mean, do you have any specific examples or and like a, obviously a general example of where, when you've seen that happen?
1: Yeah. So there's a client that we're working with right now. Um, it's uh, It was actually launched, but by the time we had met them, they had already designed their brand, their brand story. And um, when my business partner and I, Came and crossed paths with them, and they're like, "How can you help us? You know, do a better job with our marketing." This the name of this company is called um, Buzz Pop Cocktails, and basically, what it is is like a you know this nineteen sixty styles ice cream, the push pops, right, that we used to eat um they've been a they've got the patented process to freeze alcohol right and Mm. but they've they've taken like this italian style sorbet 100 fruit i mean it's a badass product and they put like top shelf liquor in it and it tastes great it's healthy it's not like that nasty slushy stuff that you get on the vegas strip right it's really really awesome product but the way uh their tagline when we met them was lick your way to paradise and we felt that it was It was a little too, um, it was kind of on the wrong side of naughty and we wanted them (laughs) to be on the right side of naughty, right? Because it was kind of, yes, it was for the Vegas market and for the pool, for the whole uh, day pool spa, you know, early 20s, that's their ideal client, but they didn't know who their ideal client was. So creating a story around a product, the name, even the tagline, who are you going fishing for? Where do they exist? Where are they in social? Where are they hanging out You know, collectively as a group? Is it at EDC? Is it at Coachella? Um, where do we go out and find these clients? And that's really where the brand story, where we came in and we said, okay, let's just really understand who your perfect customer is. Really, really well. And they're not on the porn scene and lick your way to paradise felt a little porny to us, you know? <laughs> so let's let's take up marquee, it's a marquee product. Let's charge more for it. It's all natural. You know, there's no gunk in it. And so everything about the brand needs to go a little bit further upstream than where you are. And so helping them understand that story was really key to them now getting positioned in in front of some major, major event organizers in Vegas. That's just an example of how story can affect really how you're positioning yourself in the market.
0: Yes. And I I think one of the critical things that you said, and we talk about all the time, but inevitably people come to us, and I see this happen all the time, is knowing who your perfect customer is, right? I mean, how often do you walk in somewhere and someone actually knows who their perfect customer is?
1: Well, I do a lot of... Speaking on this topic, and I always query the audience, you know, how many even know what an ideal customer is or a persona or avatar, how many do you even have in your business, and probably um, less than 5% raise their hand. So, that's typically where we start is to say, okay, well, let's, before we do anything, before you invest another diamond marketing or changing anything about your website or writing copy or even doing articles or videos or anything, let's just try to understand Who's a perfect customer for you? And once we understand that with total granularity, now we can go out and we can invest in Facebook ads. We can, we can place ads like right in front of that sweet spot and um, really understand where those marketing dollars are going. But it's got to start with that avatar development. Most people don't do it.
0: Well, and what's your process for doing that?
1: Uh, it's really pretty simple. We kind of sit down. And we ask some basic questions that kind of help them kind of free ball a little bit in their heads with um, not thinking about their brand so much, but just thinking about, um, oh, for example, like, um, if your brand were a shoe, what kind of shoe would it be? And it kind of takes them completely out of the scope of thinking about business. And they're thinking, oh, well, I'd be a penny loafer, or I'd be a uh, Christian Louboutin or something like that, you know, it'd be like, that really luxury shoe, or it might be just something really practical like Skechers. So it just depends. And when you get the like the team, the core team together, take them through a series of questions, It really, you can start to see their minds just expanding into different areas. They start thinking about their brand from a different perspective. But um, yeah, we go through a simple exercise to help them understand um, – And actually what we use is kind of a framework when you go into Facebook ads manager, for example, and you're kind of setting all of the, you know, you're ticking all the boxes that you want your ad to get in front of, we kind of use those data sets as a general guideline you know, it's age, right? They give you age range in Facebook. It's like male or female. What country are they located in? What's their education? What are they reading? What are they driving? Where are they eating? You know, it's, we get super granular, but Facebook uh, ads manager is a great place just to kind of start and think, well, who do we, who do we want to get our ad in front of? That's
0: a great tip. I mean, and it's so true because it's a simple way to do it, but you can get so granular, like you said, in front of people.
1: It's nuts. Like well, They collect something like 100,000 data points on us. I mean, uh, it's crazy how much data they have about the collective we. And um, so if, uh, you know, as a consumer, it freaks me out. But as a marketer, I kind of love it because now you can get, you know, you can get your ad in front of a perfect customer for pennies if you do it right.
0: Yeah. You can get in front of the exact right person. Exactly. Uh, And give them the right message if you know the story, right? So you got to know the story. And once you've, once you do this, you know, how, what, at what point do you know? Yes, that's the story.
1: I actually think the story is a living and breathing thing. And the reason why is that we have changing market forces, right? Consumer behavior is changing. All the time, especially depending on the generation you're talking about, the what the technology that they're using, how they communicate through the social networks, that's changing like by the month, right? We have economic forces within our business that are changing, like how much are you paying to acquire a customer or what's the lifetime value of your customer? And those numbers are changing all the time. And um, um, and then we have these technology forces, and it's like, okay, all this technology is out here for us to create efficiencies, and there's always new stuff being developed. So when you think about those three changing market forces, what we have to be able to do is say, um, our brand story is going to evolve. And is it still relevant? But it's super important. Brand story is important because it helps you make some really uh, critical decisions in your business. Like, do we want to invest in that ad? Or is that client a good one for us? Is it taking that, us too far down a different part, not in our sweet spot? Um, do we want to bring in new investors? Um, are they in alignment with our brand story and our values and uh, everything about what, why we do what we do? And so it's a really, really important part of business as a whole. And when you understand that it's not just about marketing messaging and what is on your website and what sort of ads you're creating on Facebook, but it's really just about the, the heart of who you are and what you do, yes, it's going to evolve because we're all evolving. We're evolving individually and collectively as an organization. Um, and the more agile you can be through that, the story is going to evolve. So, let me give you an example of this. When I first started doing the work that I'm doing, I wasn't doing the work that I'm doing. I was working with locally owned businesses who needed some help with local marketing. So we were doing ratings and reviews. We were beefing up their Facebook. We were helping them with content marketing, um, helping them with their website. Um, But what we came to realize was that um, if you – ratings and reviews is a great example. If you want – Uh, The social proof of ratings and reviews, you've got to be really good at what you do. You've got to be a five-star experience if you want to leverage a ratings and review campaign, right? If you're Mm -hmm. mediocre and people are throwing you three stars, that's not serving your business. It's a waste of time. You need to back the train up to the station, work on your people, work on your training, your processes, really understand why you're different from everybody else. And once you guys have it down – now you go out and you ask people to review or they'll just do it organically because you're awesome. And a lot of people, a lot of consumers are that way, especially like in restaurants, right? You've, re- you've reviewed mm-hmm. businesses before? Restaurants? Oh, yeah. yeah. You probably watch movies on Netflix. Do you yep. watch movies oh, and I, do you I, look I, at reviews? <laughs> of
0: course. Of course. One of the things I miss about Netflix is they had a thing where you could you could actually see what your friends are watching and they could recommend stuff back and forth. I don't know if you remember <sighs> that.
1: You know, I I do remember that. I forgot about it, but I remember now that you're mentioning it. And there's another thing, and I can't figure out if it's Hulu or if it's Netflix because I subscribe to both. Um, one of them is saying, here's the percentage of likelihood you're going to like this movie right here. So now they're, they're tracking through their algorithms yeah. my watching behavior. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, you're probably going to love – I love historical dramas. So <laughs> that's all I see on the front page now of uh, – one of the two, Hulu yeah. And
0: Netflix, so. My my Netflix is just because we don't separate them all out. So it's like I've got my three year old and my wife, and it's just like it's 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 schizophrenic. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: They're so confused. They're like, we don't know what this person is all about. Uh,
0: but you're so right about the reviews. <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, I had um, you know, a client and a friend on who runs a, a company that actually helps. Um, restaurants get better operations. They have a the software to get better operations. And people forget that. And it comes back to your point that that operations is part of your story.
1: Right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, but, it is. Because anything, um, anything that can be observed from the outside world, even if you had a, a warehouse and you've got, you've got people in the back that are doing the picking and packing, that affects the end user customer because the next place that box goes is onto the doorstep, they open it up, and the, and the experience continues. So maybe they were on your website, they ordered something, it got picked and packed by your people, and now they're opening it up at home. So the customer experience didn't end when they hit the buy now button. It continues until that product is in their hand, and so everybody in your organization is responsible for those customer touch points. They're all critical. So you're right; it's not just about your website and your your uh, your Facebook ads. It bleeds into every part of your business, even if you know, say, for example, you have an accounting a couple people working in your accounting department. They have internal customers, too. And when they can best support the sales team and get numbers to them, that helps the sales team do a better job so that they can do a better job for the customer. So everything is interwoven and everybody's responsible for the customer.
0: Yes. And how do you reconcile this when you come work with a client? How do you find all these stories and put them all together?
1: I actually like to do it a little bit differently. I like to look at their marketing line item. So I'll say, okay, let's look at your 2016 numbers. And let's see how much you spent on marketing. And you've got a big chunk of money. Let's say it's $35,000. Okay, where did all this money go? So we break it down. You know, this, mu- this much went to Facebook ads. This much went to Google ads. This one, you know, it's, it's scattered all over the place. And then what we do is just kind of break it down and say, okay, how much new business did you get from this campaign? And how much from this one? And these posts right here that you boosted, what were the results of that? Did somebody click the buy now button? So we we really want to take it from very general, which is that line item on your PL, and let us bring it all the way down to the very tactical of this ad, you just invested 200 bucks in it, you didn't even get one like on your Facebook page, you didn't get any new business from it, so that's 200 bucks, gone, let's learn what we can from this particular ad. And so we really kind of break it down and just bring some common sense and Guerrilla marketing to the whole concept. It's not complicated stuff, right?
0: Mm-hmm. That, it, well, it's true. It's true, but it <clears throat> brings me to another point too, because there's then that balance, right, between direct response and being able to see exactly what where something does, and you know, branding people remembering the story, people like touch the story that never mention it because I mean, I know I get that all the time. People are like, oh, I'm seeing your videos, or I, I saw this and I saw that, and that comes after. They've actually become a customer, and I haven't tracked that at all. Despite having every piece of software in the world,
1: I think sometimes we can get a, a little hyper-focused on the analytics, especially the smaller the company. You know, we're 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 tracking conversion ratios, and we're really trying to understand: is this time well spent or not? And I think the smaller you are, the more cautious you have to be, or skilled. At understanding and having some competency around understanding, okay, if I'm going to record this video and I'm going to take the time to do the post-production, or maybe I'm hiring somebody to do that part of it, um, and then we upload it, and um, then we have to kind of look at what are the analytics behind it. Did we get the number of uh, the the amount of traffic that we thought did people take the re- the action that we were re- uh, requesting them to take like what was the net result of all of this time and money that i put into creating this one thing the smaller the company the more important those decisions take because for you know somebody like me with a company my size it takes me it would probably take me 3 hours 4 hours if i were to record edit do the post production upload it Write a blog post for it, push it out through social i mean it's it 's a long path to get something pushed out into the uh, you know into the public arena, so we just have to be super aware what 's working what is our audience this is why it comes back to knowing your ideal customer when you know what they who they are, what they struggle with, what results they want now you 're starting to create pinpointed um, content for them that serves that market
0: at what point do you feel a company needs to then move into more of a <clears throat> A broader branding play. I mean, because at a certain point, you know, I, I agree with you. It's like it needs to be a, a dollars and cents like, okay, we're moving this direction. We're, we're, we're strategic about it. But at a certain point, a company tips and has to now think about, well, all the people that are seeing it that aren't going to really directly do anything right now. You know, from I'm
1: a ma- from a major branding perspective, you're saying, yeah. or
0: like, like where we want the story to spread
1: <laughs> and we're not
0: sure that we need them to actually take action right now because we're planning on them well, taking I'll, action later.
1: I'll give you a good example of this. So there's a, there's a client <laughs> that we're working with and, um, what they were doing in, this is a legacy business. So the father started it. Now the son's running it. And what the father hey. was selling was pro- product A. What they've morphed into just by demands of the market in the space, has it's moved into product B or a series of products in, in the B category. And the name of the company no longer reflects what they're currently doing. So, they've come to us and they're just like, can you help us rebrand? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. That, that's what we do. We can help you kind of reframe who it is and what you do. But why is this a problem for you? Why, why do you feel the need to change the name? And they said, well, when our sales guys go out and they're saying... You know, Rocky Mountain adhesives, we no longer sell adhesives. So the first question in the prospect's mind is wait a minute you don't sell adhesive. So now the sales guys are having to untell a story before they can tell a story. So it's a great example where they've just evolved into something really different. Their name was really tethered to a specific product they were selling once upon a time. It's no longer relevant. So they come to us and they're just like, help us understand who are we? What's our?" It's really a brand identity exercise at that point. Who are we as an organization? What do we do? How do we help? And let's come up with a naming structure, taglines, and, and really just do a slow roll into introducing this onto our website and our collateral. So it's just a perfect example of them just saying, we've got a sales process problem now. Wasting time trying to untell a story.
0: Interesting. Interesting. That's, yeah, that's, you know, sometimes the story has to change. Um, What do you think, you know, people always want to be able to tell one story. But I, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you know, like you're talking about, we're a bunch of stories. We're a story that, of who's working there. We're a story of you know the person answering the the phones. Um, what's the first story that you try and work on
1: with help to help a client understand? Yeah, to help a client.
0: Like, yeah, where do you start? Like really, once you know who the ideal customer is, you, know, you start crafting the story. What are, what is it? Is it just the story of how they came into business? Is it the story of of what they do for someone, is it their, you know, what, what's the first story that you really work on?
1: Right. So different for every company. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to this Rocky Mountain thesis and, and their conundrum. Um, what we were able to discover is that they are different from anybody else. This is a multi-billion dollar industry, you know, this warehousing uh, supplies, right? That's what they do. The, the shrink wrap and the pallets wrap and, tape, anything that you need in the warehouse, that's what these guys do, right? So, um, what makes you different from anybody else that's doing this? And they're just like, well, um, we're very personalized. We're a small company. We deliver stuff directly. You know, the guy on the phone is the guy that's bringing it to the warehouseman. Uh, we even do some uh, inventorying for our clients. Like, we're, we're very boutique compared to everybody else. And I said, all right, so what, uh, how long does it take for a new customer to understand how awesome you are? Like, what's, what would be the normal timeline on that? And they're just like, it's literally like one, uh, one sales cycle, it might be 30 to 45 days. And I said, Okay, well, why don't you just do an offer that um, maybe they're getting your products at cost. But if You can forego your profits for one sales cycle so that you can keep somebody for five years, which is the lifetime length of uh, how long your customers are staying with you. Wouldn't that be worth it? And they were just like, oh, my God, yeah. Okay, that's now your story. That's your narrative. Okay, so lead with that. Here's what we're going to do for you, and here's what we're going to prove to you in the next 45 days. Now you've got a customer for life. And so you really can't understand that part of it until you start Dealing and really kind of extracting from the team well what what does make you different, and if you 're not, how do we carve out differentness from you from everybody else and that 's where that 's where our work comes in makes sense right
0: yeah, it does it makes sense oh, it makes complete sense and you know but people all want this formula, and while there 's a formula to start, I think back to your point it 's going to be different for every person, and that 's why you have to fi- bring someone in from the outside it 's also hard to find those stories from the inside isn 't it
1: it is, because uh, this is a great analogy. I don't know if you know Joel Calm, but I learned this little thing from Joel. He's a big network marketer or a, so, a social media marketer up here in the Denver area. And Joel describes it this way. He's like, you know, for clients, they're in the jar, and they're trying to read the label of the jar. But when you're in it, you can't read it. You need people from the outside who can see what you do. They've got the outside perspective. They're not tethered emotionally to any of the stories or anything that, that you think or believe. It's a completely objective um, worldview of what your business looks like from the outside. And that's why companies bring in outside people, because they have the objectivity to say, uh, well, and the expertise, frankly, to lead you. Um, but uh, but to say, no, this is what you guys do. You think you do this? No, no, no. Don't you see you do this? And they're just like, oh my gosh, we totally didn't see that we do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody's excited about their work again, right? Yeah. It's all fresh.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's such the value of bringing in a consultant like you. Um, and, and and I see it all the time because people think that they – I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, it's, it's like a doctor. A doctor should not treat himself. You should not – you should have someone from the outside looking at your marketing. You can Absolutely. have interior marketing, but you should be looking from the outside because you can't see uh, through all the pieces. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, we started out the podcast and you said – that you would try anything once. Let's talk about some of those things that you've tried.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know I equate this to having like a um an underdeveloped uh, underdeveloped frontal lobe. So it's literally that discernment that we typically develop in our early twenties. It never happened for me. So literally, people would be like, "Oh, you want to jump off that cliff?" And like, you know jump off in a squirrel suit, I'd be like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, <laughs> want to jump out of an airplane? Sure, I'll do that. Uh do you want a ski race, you know, downhill? Yeah, sure. I'll do that. It's literally there's there's no understanding in my brain, despite whatever process I try <laughs> to run it through, to say this is probably not a good idea, especially at your age, <laughs> it's not gonna, <laughs> not
0: gonna end well. <laughs> but that makes you a good entrepreneur too, right? Because you're, you're not afraid of losing. I mean, you probably make calculated risks, but it makes you a good entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, I was uh, listening to this great podcast yesterday, Barbara Corcoran from, we all know her from Shark Tank. Um, how I Built This. Do you, do you listen to that podcast? It's so no. good.
0: Oh my tell.
1: gosh, it's so good. But it talks about different, like well-known brands and people that you know, but how they got started, right? So she was talking about this, and she's just like, there's this um, this scrappiness that entrepreneurs have. They're not, bound by any thought or limitation. They're almost like a three-year-old asking why. You're just always pressing. And anytime you you feel like your back's against the wall and you're like, um, I'm feeling completely stuck, profoundly confused. Which direction do I take with my business? That's when sometimes you make your best decisions because now you're just like, uh, you know, it's like all bets are off. Like there's no safe now. Now, I, now I've got to take yes, calculated risk, but I have to do something that I might not have done four weeks ago based on my revenue situation, right? So, you uh, you have this scrappiness in you. Yeah, it's probably um, a lack of fear to a lot of degree, uh, your ability to know that, look, you've been on your knees before and you've pulled yourself up. You can do it. 10, 10, 20 times over you know how to reinvent yourself you're a smart person you know you got the skills so what's at stake just go 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 and i think that's probably where that lack of discernment comes <laughs> and <laughs>
0: yeah, it's very handy right and, you know
1: well, got a you were saying right yep. and you know how it is they're always asking other than saying no why is like their number one favorite
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly Exactly, and you know, it, and people say that all the time. If if I'd have known how hard it was when I started out, I wouldn't have done it. And yeah.
1: <laughs> you gotta have a gut for it, man. You've got to have the guts for it because there are times when you feel like you're on an island all by yourself, and it's um, that can be really terrifying for a lot of people. Like there's there's no paycheck coming in if you don't get get out and tap dance. So you've got to figure out. Um, how to get yourself through a lot of different situations and um, the ability just to to say, you know, if I've if I had a day like this the other day where I was I, I was vibrating very low for whatever reason. I think I was just feeling overwhelmed with the amount of work that I had and uh, behind and I went for a hike behind my house. And I was just like, uh, you need to snap out of it. And if you're pr- if if you're so turned inward that you're feeling like this, then you're probably not serving enough people right now. So why don't you just go back home, pick up the phone, start calling some people and say, what can I do to support you today? Like, turn the focus outward, get out of ego and start vibrating high again by being of service to people and, you know, snap the heck out of it because, you know, you got the good. So just keep going.
0: I love that. That is such a great attitude. And it's, fu- it's funny because we were doing our team videos on a similar note and and a few of the team members were, you know, like, oh, I, I just didn't do well. I'm like, because you, you're trying to sell something instead of just serving people. And, yes. And it's amazing how that switches. And it's counterintuitive, right? Because people think entrepreneurs have to sell and make money. Yes. But the best entrepreneurs like yourself go out there and serve as many people as possible. Like Zig Ziglar said, you know, you serve enough people and you can get what you want.
1: Absolutely. And when I go networking, it's not to look for prospects, It's not to look for people for my business. I'm just trying to figure out what do you need? If you know what you need, I don't know if I can help you. But I probably know somebody that does because I network a lot, right? So just tell me what it is that you want from your business. And if you can articulate that, the solutions out there, it's just, you know, what are you willing to invest in getting that solution? So, um, so yeah, so just saying, look, I'm here to help you. In whatever capacity, I might not be the right, the right person for you. In whatever capacity, let's let's get you where you want to be.
0: And it, you made a good point there, though, because so many people just open up a business thinking that they have some intention and they don't know what they want out of the business, right? And just keeps growing uh-huh. and growing, and then they get to a certain point, and you, you ask them that, I bet you a lot of people don't know what they want out of the business.
1: In life, they don't know what they want, right? Like, do you meet people and they're just adrift, and you're like dude, how long are you going to be working at that place? Like, you're so miserable. When are you going to make a switch? Well, they just don't know what they want. And it's the saddest part of humanity for me to see, because I'm like, I would not stand for that for one day. Like, that's a luxury. We don't yeah. we don't have as human beings. Our, our time here is too short. You got to just make some hay. Let's go. Yeah.
0: And, you know, it's, talking about the mindset stuff, I think a lot of people are afraid to say what they want, because they're afraid that they'll actually... Get
1: it. <laughs> I'm having these conversations a lot. My son is 14 years old. He's a big baseball player, right? And in high school. And um, we were talking about that, because I say to him, and I kind of laid my mindset mojo on him from time to time. I'm like, did you set an intention, you know, fielding, like defensively, at bat, and leadership in the dugout? So if you can just kind of set an intention around those three areas, then you'll be fine for the day. And... Uh, He had a really bad game, didn't have a great at-bat. He's like a big hitter. He's always hitting home runs, right? So he didn't have a great game. And I said, well, did you set an intention? He did. He goes, I did. And it didn't come true. So I'm not setting them anymore. And I'm like, so let me make sure I'm hearing you. If you're saying you're not going to set a goal anymore and nothing happens, then you basically are safe. Like, you know, look, you, you met your goal. Is Are you happy? with? Like, is that good enough for you? Who are you? You're not my son. <laughs> he's 14 and he's learning. But he was just like, he laughed about it. He's just like, I get what you're saying, mom. I get what you're saying. But it's just like, you swing for the fence. You've heard that expression. Go, go big, man. Yeah, so.
0: yeah that's awesome. That is awesome. So <laughs> let's talk about you written a book recently. I want to know a little bit about that book.
1: Yeah, well, there's a couple publications out there where you can learn more about my work. Um, one of them was the Customer Manifesto. This was from a couple of years ago, and this is really what was kind of the pivotal point in me, focusing on the customer experience and loyalty. Um, that was picked up. Literally, that was just a marketing book that I that I wrote. Just a, It was a freemium on my website, right? It got picked up by business.com, and uh, they put it on this list uh, number three, top ten books every business owner should read. Like Gary Vaynerchuk was on there, and you know, some really, really big names. So I was just like, holy cow. And so I'm really proud of that work. It's called The Customer Manifesto, and you can get it on Amazon or you can get it for free at um, createbuzznow.com on my website. But The thing that I've just recently written, literally, it's just right out of the can, is um, called How to Write Your Brand Story. And this is using a blockbuster Hollywood um, movie model. So we've kind of broken down how scripts are written, very, very formulaic, how Hollywood scripts are written. Um, We've overlaid on top of that the Pixar pitch because everybody knows the way Pixar stories are written are very formulaic. Every Pixar story Follows this framework, um, and then the third part of it is uh, how to tell a story in three acts. So I'm going to show you exactly how Hollywood does it, how you can apply that to a brand, and then give you some exercises within it. So it's like a it's like a template. It's very 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 awesome. I'm super proud of it. So nice. check it out at pamelaherman.com.
0: Pamelaherman.com. That'll be in the show notes. You can just click on the picture, and that will flip around. So besides those books, what's your favorite book?
1: Um, my favorite book. Well, the book that I always grab back here is called Words That Sell. Like, yes. that's not a book that you read. It's kind of like my Bible, right? So, it's yeah. a little bit different. You're familiar with that, right? Yes. Richard Ban. Yes. Um. So, tons of ideas on how to write really good copy. So, there's that. Um. There's a book that I always go back to by Chet Holmes, The Ultimate Sales Machine. I just love the way it was written. It's just very matter of fact. He's got some great quotes in there. Um. It's... Not a recent book, but, you know, Sales of Sales. And I really like the way he frames uh, just how to be better at connecting with people, developing relationships, getting them what they need, whether it's through you or for, through somebody else. So those are my two big go-tos. Awesome. Well, what about you? Has anybody asked you that question? Uh, I don't know. I,
0: well, yeah, actually, I mean, someone did ask me that. and I mean, the one book I read all the time is the Tao Te Ching By Lao Tzu, so, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's a philosophy book, but that's one I go to every day. Um, When it comes to bit, I mean, I I just read so much.
1: It's hard. It's like picking your favorite child.
0: Yes. Yes. I know who my favorite child is because I have one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. It's easy until you have your next one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, You know, right now I'm reading Stealing Fire, which is Awesome. And it's the guys who wrote uh, Rise of Superman. Have you? Mm-hmm. you uh, have you read either of those?
1: I'm going to write it down right now.
0: Oh, it's so good because it's it's about it's about flow states and and all the science that they've done behind them. I'm uh, all
1: about flow states. This is awesome.
0: Oh yeah, stealing, stealing fire. yeah, stealing fire is just it's up there. And it'll the try thing once because they talk a lot about like microdosing and drugs and all that stuff. Uh, but it's really really interesting. And then what's the other book I'm reading right now? I've got so much. So
1: are you saying that I need to get into (laughs) microdosing? Is that what I'm hearing?
0: (laughs) I'm not saying anything. I'm I'm going to tell you what I
1: will do between you and me, Ian. I'm going to go down to Peru, and I'm going to do the ayahuasca. I'm going to do a little ayahuasca trip.
0: Okay. Yes. Let's go. All right. Let's
1: go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My friends have done it and changed their lives.
1: Yeah. I want to get into the Matrix, so... That's there's, one way to
0: do it. There's one internet marketer out there that's kind of disappeared. And it's because of that. Like, what? He, yeah, he said no more and, and left.
1: I won't say who it was, but it, it's as out soon as there. we're done recording, you will tell me. Um, <laughs> so he was basically like, this is not the real deal for me. This is not, this is not the true essence of why I'm on this planet. Yep. And he dropped out.
0: Boom. I mean like big, huge name. Boom. Dropped out. Dang. Uh, um, you know what i'm triggers is pretty good that i'm listening to um i i I listen a lot of audiobooks and then i read some of them too and then i I just i i'm rereading ogilvy on advertising i love that
1: Uh, those guys their stuff is making a resurgence i think frank kern kind of brought it back to life okay great awesome recommendations i'll get on audible right away
0: yeah i mean my audible is like (laughs) <laughs> that, oh, you got a long list. Yeah, I've got like 350 audible books. Um, I listen to everything two times speed, but I flip back and forth between them because I, I know if, I, if I'm zoning out on something, I'll move to something else.
1: I like your idea, though. I get frustrated because they, they'll drop some knowledge, and I'm like, if that if I had the book in my hand, I'd put a sticky note right here, and I'd highlight it. And it would go on my bookshelf, and I would pull it out and reference it. Audible, I haven't quite connected with the medium, although it's sufficient because I can do other things while I'm listening. So there's yeah, they, a balance that I haven't figured out.
0: They have a clips thing that works really well. Um, I do that, and then I, I have my Evernote, and I'm like, check out that clip. So um, oh, You're so smart. <laughs> I'm not smart. I just I, I listen to Audible. You're efficient. I'm efficient. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I have a three-year-old trying to like pull the – Earphones out all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I we're running out of time, but it's been awesome talking to you, Pamela. Well, the it's
1: pleasure been, is all mine, and I'm really excited to have new exposure to your audience and to your work, and uh, thank you for your continued support and adding great value out there. This is what we need from smart people like you. Just good stuff. Just well, put good stuff well, out. Yeah.
0: Thank you, and same to you and all the knowledge about storytelling. Tell us the name of the book again. The newest book. Uh, the,
1: the Customer Manifesto.
0: Yes. And then the new ebook. And,
1: and then the new ebook is um, Telling Your Brand Story. And you can find that at Pamela H E R R M A N N.com.
0: Yes. Awesome. And thank you all so much for listening to us and taking Pamela and I on your journey.
1: That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow I and Garlic on Facebook.